What's going on, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Play Economics Plus, your weekly extra dose of industry trends and financial context behind your favorite video games. We are joined today by a very special guest, uh, Darren Glover. And Darren, correct me if I mis misspeak on your title, but you are the head of gaming at Vayner Sports, correct? You got it. Awesome. Well, why don't you introduce yourself a little more, tell the audience a little bit about yourself, what you do, what kind of games you like. Holy smokes. Um, I call myself a recovering basketball addict. Um, okay. And I constantly am on the recovery path. Uh, basketball is my entire life. Always played basketball and played video games. So I got to a point where three knee operations, four knee operations later, the career of basketball, um, I, I hit the showers probably faster than what I wanted, uh, what I wanted to. And I had to pivot. And I always wanted to get into marketing and um, started to work with one of my best friends who got drafted to the NBA. His name's Tyus Jones. And that kind of led me into a path of understanding talent representation, but kind of from a marketer's angle. I made music back in the day. So I was kind of on the trend of that independent artist, um, artistry rise of, you know, not wanting to join a label and sign your life away, but making content on your own and building a personal brand and connecting to culture, like all these buzzwords was kind of like where I was trying to take my career. And one thing led to another, I found gaming once the light bulb clicked on that gaming wasn't something that the nerdy kid did in the back <laughs> of the classroom by himself in a basement, but that gaming was something that I did as like the jock of school, but that gaming as a form of entertainment was that a form of entertainment, which um, was fascinating to me. I had, I didn't understand the business side of gaming. Um, I Ninja played with Drake, Juju and Travis Scott. And that was like the light bulb moment of like, well, wait a second, this is interesting um, because gaming is now being used as a form, as a vehicle of entertainment. And I didn't understand that until then. And that I just, I took, I got the red pill, jumped in, uh, joined a startup company around athletes and celebrities that played video games. That led me to Vayner Sports to kind of head up the gaming division of respecting and like, respecting the gaming space, but understanding that it's growing and moving in this direction um, and knowing that gaming is going to be a form of mainstream culture. And I knew how to represent talent kind of through a marketer's lens. I'm not an agent. I'm a marketer that happens to represent an individual, but I look at individuals as something bigger than just a person, like they're their own brands and they mm -hmm. need brand pillars and they have to talk about themselves in a certain way and align themselves with certain brands, not just for the cash grab, but to help themselves create opportunities for where, what they're passionate about. Um, so that aligned very well with what Vayner Sports is looking to do to, as they were growing a gaming vertical. And here I am on April 1st talking to you guys. Love it. Love it. That's awesome. I mean, there's it's, a ton of stuff in there that I'm missing, but I know that. I mean, there's like, definitely a lot to unpack there. And yeah, I, sure. I, I definitely, there's a couple of strings I want to pull on, but I, I think it's very interesting just to call out one of the points, how you were able to sort of pivot from a more traditional, I would say analog medium sports, that kind of thing to an almost all digital medium and sort of do that very seamlessly. It would like appear that that's very cool. You spoke about branding there a little bit, 
I asked Brandon this question, so I'd love to get your take on it, right? You spoke about personal brand and its importance within the space. Right now, within gaming, within esports, who do you feel, if you can call out somebody, is going to be the Michael Jordan of esports, right? Who is going to transcend their brand past what it is? So, like, I give the example, like, kids today, Jordan probably isn't as relevant in basketball to them as maybe like LeBron or or Kobe or Steph Curry, but everybody knows the shoe, right? So like, mm-hmm. who's going to be the person to take that leap in your opinion? Esports, yeah, within side? within gaming as a whole, within oh. the whole gaming industry, that you would feel if they're a brand or personality that you could really glean onto like that. Well, I'll 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 break it apart because I think it gets a little convoluted. Um, sure to break it apart of like the competitive side versus just the influencer creator side. Um, uh, I mean, honestly, in an unbiased, but I'm obviously biased. I think Booga from the competitive mm. side. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what we've been able to do for him, I think is, is completely overlooked by the general public and by the gaming space. I don't think he gets enough credit for what he's doing, um, AKA behind the scenes what we're helping him create. Uh, There's nobody in the gaming space right now that has the type of partnerships that he has. Um, You know, he's in 1300 stores across the country with his five below partnership. And he's got Mm -hmm. the biggest end cap in the store. His section in the store has been a top two or three, you know, selling item since our partnership two years ago. Um, You know, he's the face of Comcast Xfinity's national gaming campaign. Um, you know, he's, uh, uh, an investor and a part of step mobile banking platform. That's like the next generation of teen banking. Um, you know, he's a quote unquote chief gaming scout for Hollister moving into a night. I mean, just like the things he's hmm, doing yeah. and the partnerships that he's creating. And, you know, I, I don't, I don't see anyone else in the space that isn't, you know, people that get these big deals are doing a brand sponsorship. That's a stream and it's three streams sponsored hashtags command codes tweets um but what booga is doing at only 19 years old winning the Fortnite world cup and now going back to back to back three peat of an fncs championship in duos and trios in a game that's meta changes every six and a half minutes um i i think he is right now the kevin durant lebron james of esports um Maybe he could be looked at as someone like a little younger. So I, I maybe he says he's like the Kevin Durant, or I don't know how you would describe him. So yeah, I got you. Um, definitely a huge fan. I would say Booga is up there from the creator side. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna probably say um, I'm gonna say Nick Merckx. I want to say Doctor hmm. Disrespect. Uh, okay. Yeah, but I, I was think, gonna say I think we, I think we come back. Got yeah, I, I think that, I think because Doc's a character. <laughs> It's yeah. tough to like say that he's going to be the Michael Jordan. I think Doc's impact on the gaming industry is going to be the largest because he's like a game developer, like with what he's doing with Midnight yeah. Society. So I think he's going to have a, the most impact on the gaming industry because you might not see a lot of his impact, but he was spearheading it. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I think from an, an individual standpoint, and who knows, maybe tomorrow Nick just stops playing video games. But I think where sure. Nick's at in his current age, that he's not old but he's not young he's just he's like my he's like 30 years old 
you've yep. got this like time frame of like the next five to 10 years is going to be the peak of his career. And he's with Dre beats and under armor. And he's got the, his Jojo dog foundation. And it's just like a lot of stuff that he's building. And I think he can sit down and speak to different crowds and audiences where he can like bro out, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. he gotcha. also, he represents himself really well. If he, if he has to sit down with, like the business folks and i think in order to Mm -hmm. become a michael jordan or that aspect of influence you not only have to have a public persona that's influential but you also have to have the behind the scenes that nobody ever sees um like that's also what makes people super influential um so yeah i'd say i'd I'd say booga booga and nick Merckx, if you could split it up i would say are in the lead right now to become the most influential folks in gaming and competitive esports I love that. I mean, I, I, what doc is definitely my answer. I mean, like the minute you can monetize a biography about your fake life, like you, yeah. you've transcended, transcended past your space. I think but I, it was the a- reason I wouldn't, I wouldn't completely agree with it is because doc does have that very, like you either love him or you're like, what the fuck am I watching? Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah he's gotcha. definitely like, polarizing. He's got that. Yeah. And not like once you start to watch him, it, like it takes a while to like really love. I mean, he is all time. My, like yeah. I love doc. To answer your question, I'm going to go with like a human being that's not playing a fictitious character, but I totally agree with you though. Yeah, T- totally. I mean, one one thing that I love that you said there was that Booga's identifying partnerships that other creators within the space are maybe sleeping on. I can kind of make the mental connection behind most of the things you said behind Comcast, even Hollister. He's he's a young kid; it's a younger brand. What was the thought process and how did you guys identify five below as a market <laughs> to hit and implement his image within? Cause that's super in- uh, interesting and out of left field. So five below is they're headquartered in Philadelphia. Uh, Booga is also um, local to Philly as well. Um, five below was creating a new product division in gaming um, through mutual connections behind the scenes inside of Vayner Um we got connected with five below to figure out, does it make sense for us to do some type of licensing deal? Um, this was kind of on, this is six to eight months after he won the Fortnite world cup. So, um, like moving into the end of 2019, the early 2020. Um, so the deal in and of itself, like the idea of like, well, that makes sense. Like gaming products, like a licensing deal goes nationwide. Um, the, the concept of it, like that was really it from what what the opportunity looked like um but being able to work with the five below team you know as i also got hired on to kind of like take over the book of book of business inside of of vayner sports triple b's there um very cool what yeah was more like how do you take something that's at its core to your point a little tinny it's a little hollow Mm -hmm. like best gamer esports for the world cup partnering with kind of uh, you know, more affordable retail brand that doesn't really make any tech gaming products. Like it is a little tinny and I totally get it. So being able to work with Booga when I first joined, because I'm a marketer to say like, what do you want to do? Like, what do you want to do in gaming? That's not just play Fortnite and win. Like, 
Hmm. What 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 is it that's like a, a mission of the Booga brand? If you think of Booga as a Nike or an Apple, like what what is the Booga brand? When someone thinks of Booga, do you just want it to think of of the Booga brand as just oh yeah, that's that kid that's really good at Fortnite, or do you want to start to build the the foundational building blocks to say man, like he's really good at Fortnite, but he's really changing the landscape of gaming? How do you start to fill? that air of changing the landscape of gaming. So that was going back and forth with Five Below and kind of aligning with what Booga wants to do and talking with Five Below and figuring out, hey, how do we turn what's very tinny on paper, which is like kind of the licensing deal play, but also work on what the marketing and messaging is behind the partnership so that it's not just a licensing deal, but it's more around a mission which mm-hmm. is what Booga kind of wanted to do. And I, you know, helping kind of craft some meat behind what he wanted to do. And then working with Five Below to say, hey, instead of this just being Booga partners with Five Below on seven SKUs of gaming products, why don't we make it a mission-based partnership so that it hmm. really impacts the gaming space? And that's what we did. And we aligned on it, had a whole messaging hierarchy that we built together, which was Booga and Five Below partner to make gaming more accessible. And that totally changes the landscape of how pe- people looked at and felt that partnership come to life. And we continue to, to, to change the game now, which is you see the notes and the emails and the letters and the tweets of the majority of families out there cannot afford $700 worth of gaming gear for a kid yep. that I want to play gaming. And mm-hmm. it's like, oh, uh, okay, well, like, I- I'm not going to go out and get my kid $500 to you know, spit up on its keyboard and then get bored of gaming. <laughs> so it's like, how, how do I offer something that's top-notch quality, but at an affordable yeah. price and then use Booga's brand and voice and influence to inspire more people to get into gaming? You know, it's one of the things that I thought was the, cool, the coolest thing about Booga after he won and you still see it come up today was all the people that tweeted and would come out and say, man, like, I, we couldn't have had a better person to represent us gamers mm. to yep. the mainstream than someone like Booga um, when he sits on Jimmy Fallon and sits on Good Morning America and the Today Show and all these major platforms. He represented the gaming space really well. So he yep. has all this brand equity built into the gaming space. Now, how do we empower that and use it for good? And that was a five below partnership that impacts the masses instead of trying to just high price point a licensed product at this premium price point, well, you're reaching less people and you're becoming more of a faraway figure that I can't touch versus he's in 1300 stores across nationwide with seven SKUs of product with the biggest end cap in the store. Just from a branding side, there isn't one other gamer on planet earth that comes close to touching that type of brand awareness inside of the gaming industry it's certainly not it, it's definitely like think about that and that's yeah, like I, even and off the top of people, my head i'm thinking like oh okay nobody, like ninja had adidas and stuff adidas, like that that's that's awesome he was not in every store across the country that adidas had i don't care yep. if you look at at any market around the world there isn't a gamer out there that has that level of awareness and and brand equity inside of a massive publicly traded type company like five below other than booger nobody no one is in is in the same i mean hemisphere that that he's in right there and now it's just about how do you continue to grow that as he gets older 
And I mean, again, the Fortnite World Cup thing, not getting an FNCS win until this past year. Now he's three time back to back to back. He's continuously racking up his on court, on field performance. Mm-hmm. So he has mm-hmm. these partnerships that he's able to leverage now to actually use that. Like on the gaming space, a lot of stuff just dies off and you forget about it because there's yep. nowhere else that gamers go. They live on their Twitch channel and the, you know, red live goes off and you forget about them. And I think that's one of the things that has suppressed the gaming industry in and of itself is that everyone lives on one platform and one platform only. And that's just not feasible because n- normal people can only spend so much time on that one platform. But someone like Booga, who is partnering himself with other brands in the right way, not just selling out, but truly yeah. partnering. So anyway. Uh, yeah. Uh, I really like the way that you kind of framed him and like, this partnership with five below puts him in like the people's gamer. Like he's the gamer of the people and like the like collaboration with five below gives it that accessibility to anybody can be like him because his products are in these stores and they're not that $700 uh, microphone, that $1,800 keyboard kind of thing. They're these nice um, like, feasible things to buy your kids when they want to get into gaming and he could kind of get into that market and into that demographic of future gamer. The coolest thing ever is going to be in five years when there's a kid that wins a big esports thing and they talk to him about something and they say, man, it all started like I was nine years old. My parents took me to five below and I bought the book of gaming set. That's going to be a full fucking circle event that happens for us. And it's going to be, I can't wait. That that yeah, I see the clip now for you guys. Like that's awesome. With that in mind, our first like top question we're going to throw right at you is we're talking a lot about the personality behind the gaming industry, but we kind of wanted to ask you what do you think is the most important part of it? And I have a feeling I know where you're going to go with this, but it's um for uh, like the creators versus platform kind of discussion, is it the IP that's the most important? Is it the player or is it the uh, like host company, like a Twitch, a YouTube kind of thing that is most important in this um, relationship? I guess I don't understand the question. So I, I did to kind of, to kind of clarify what Matt's saying yeah, there yeah. is in, in the ranking, right? Like to, to bring it back to doc for a second here, like, Doc outlived PUBG's popularity, right? Okay. And he even went on to sort of outlive the amount of money that he could earn from Twitch, right? He was able to successfully transfer his brand to YouTube and, and switch to Warzone and all these other BRs, Midnight Society. In your opinion, if you had to rank in terms of what is most important when you're building up the brand, is it building up the brand? Is it tying yourself to a certain IP? Oh, oh, is it oh, latching oh, 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 on oh, oh. to yeah. a brand. specific platform? Brand, 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 brand person. Gotcha. person the individual 100 percent. that's that will always be the case <laughs> gotcha. there's nothing that comes close to it it's it's the most important it always comes back to that kind of uh, you know there's no debate conti- no yeah. i i certainly agree with you and, and yeah. definitely kind of continuing on that road there we were talking about booga before what is your opinion of let's call them the the two main gaming stream platforms, right? You've got Twitch and YouTube gaming, right? Being in the position that you are, do you feel that there is a net benefit to one over the other? Are there, is there sort of a, a vector that nobody is attacking when it comes to building an online gaming presence right now? What's your take on that? 
I mean, it's it's such a difficult question because it's again, it's not all about those those singular platforms. That's one of the things yep. that sucks about gamers, right? Like, even as we talk right now, and I don't want to call him out in a negative way because he knows that I'm a big fan of his. But just because he's up on my computer screen right now, someone like <laughs> Dolph Tush. Dolph mm-hmm, Tush yep. is one of the funniest human beings. I, he's one of my favorite streamers to watch. And I'm a big Apex Legends guy. Like, Masters rank. First time getting Masters was this season. Like, I'm Jeez. playing as soon as we get off this podcast. I am Congrats. for sure jumping on. Um, so, like, but someone like Dolph Tush has... 650,000 followers on Twitch and he streams at like 10 to 15k concurrence when he does his watch parties he's at 25k like if you just take a chunk of the gaming industry this man is massive Mm -hmm. 10 to 15k concurrent viewers and 25k when you're doing watch parties and like you're not even playing the game you're watching other people and commentating and he's cracked at the game, and he almost has a million total followers. Go to his, go to his Instagram. Um, if you go to his Instagram, he's got he got ninety six, and on Twitter, that's wild. He has, um, he has a hundred and thirty four, and on TikTok. He's got, he's not even verified on TikTok. He's got 154,000 on TikTok. So the delta to me of the difference that makes somebody massive on one singular platform, but it doesn't translate to other platforms is the biggest crutch of the gaming industry is Mm. it's very difficult because your job is to live stream for nine hours a day. Yeah. They yeah. streamers will stream longer than us normal working people work. And we get to ditzy around on our phone every five to 10 minutes and watch a couple of videos. They don't get to do that. So you're going to ask people to build your platform on a Twitch or YouTube gaming, which is their form of income. This is where they create sustainable income is when they stream and then ask them after they stream to get off and create TikTok videos from the stream then to translate that over to Instagram feed posts and Instagram real posts, then make sure that you're engaging with people on, on, on Twitter, checking your Twitter and Instagram DMS for, uh, you know, business development opportunities to increase your income, then take your streams and hottest clips every month and make sure that you're getting all of your YouTube VOD content created and then go to sleep and wake up tomorrow and do all that shit again. <laughs> like that's really, really difficult. Yeah. So like the headwind that 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 the gaming industry has with these with these creators is enormous. And it's very, very difficult. And that's why you hear those stories about like again, even Twitch, like the searchability on Twitch. Where is it? Let mm-hmm. me know when you find it, because there isn't yep, any. Yep. You know, yep. YouTube gaming is like the the joke, like the butt of, of the joke. Like Gaming is not propped up anywhere inside of YouTube. Like the searchability for live feeds on YouTube, specifically in the gaming category, is very difficult. So, like, there's so much, there's so much happening that you just have to build a brand. And with that, think of yourself as a company, which is I have to be relevant everywhere. Hmm. Because the second that searchability leaves, 
on, I mean, look at the Vine stars, right? I mean, yep. the examples go over and over again, but like you can't overinvest in one platform because as soon as that platform makes one platform development that changes something, you could lose 50 plus percent of your income or relevancy based on one minor engineering tweak that nobody even knows about kills your income. Like look at all the YouTubers. I mean, like, yep. so I, it's very difficult. There isn't an answer, but then it goes to like, not, then it goes to like the human being behind the scenes, which is like, do you love what you do or don't you? Cause if you're in it yeah. for the money, you're going to, you're going to die out after six months and go work a normal job. But if you love what you do, you'll find a way to have it make sense. And that's also one of the things about the gaming space that people don't realize is all these kids see Nick Merckx, Doc, Ninja, Tim. The thing that I love most about TikTok and social media these days is bringing back old clips. And you're like, wow, these guys have been doing this for seven, eight, nine, ten years. Yep. It's not something that just happens tomorrow. I mean, that's the classic musician case where, you know, somebody finally, you know, makes it and it's like well yeah but they've been making music for 10 years exactly like, yeah them making it just means that you know about them but they've been busting their ass for 10 years it's the same thing with gaming so it's super long-winded answer i apologize but i think no it, it no it adds clarity well i think it adds clarity and context there of the difficulty but it's also people are naive to think that it's easy like yeah even to think well you know I mean, you know, Booga didn't, you know, Booga won the Fortnite World Cup. Like if he, well, it's like, well, yeah, like he won the Fortnite World <laughs> Cup. Like, what are we talking about? Like that yeah. was very difficult for him to do that. So yeah. it's like all these accomplish, accomplishments that people have, I think the gaming space is kind of like, there's a lot of similarities in my opinion to the way that early fans of musicians feel when an artist gets too big hmm. is like, yep. I think the whole industry likes when gamers are nobodies yeah and then as soon as they become and then they support them when they're nobodies and want to see them succeed and then as soon as they're successful they're like oh you're selling out so many brand deals you're exactly billboard, all this other stuff and it's like wait a second like what did you think i was working for just to appease you and my six viewers six years ago like, why do you think I'm doing this? Like, so I, I think there's like an overall cultural thing in the gaming space that isn't anything that's new or unique. I think it's just like we, the gaming industry has to look at themselves in the mirror and be like, oh yeah, I'm a troll and I'm trolling <laughs> and I'm, I'm hurting, I'm, I'm hurting the overall industry by doing that. Are you requesting they do some introspection? And no, <laughs> why would you, what? Come no, on. you can't, you can't Gamers? do that. Never. But before we get too far away from it, you said the magic word that I was oh, looking no. for. Oh, here we go. Since we had our conversation <laughs> with uh, Brandon a couple weeks ago, and you said Apex Legends. Ah. I am a huge, huge Apex Legends. I so, so close to Diamond. I just have not had enough time. And compared to Masters... I can't. I can't even I just imagine. Made yeah, it's crazy. I can't even imagine what that grind was. But I've helped a couple of my friends get to Diamond, and they got the dive trails, which was huge. But I have to ask, who's your main, and why? Hit me with it. So this is, and I want to. I want to say. I want to answer the question to make sure that I make <laughs> myself not feel like a cop out. 
Uh, if you say Wraith. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, I'm no, just kidding. No, I'm just no, kidding. No, no. <laughs> I uh, When I hit Diamond. Okay. Here's some alpha for you. Okay. Hit me. I play with two fraggers who were also grind. Like they were moving up the chain. I just, I yeah. joined them on the journey, but I was crypto. Interesting. So when we would pull up to a fight, um, I would hide behind a corner um, yep. and pull my drone out and I would let them beam somebody to the point of, you know, 120, 130 somebody. So they'd have to go back inside or like get a knock, fly yep. my drone over. I've scanned one or two of them already. Somebody is almost down. I'll put my EMP off at them. So now I've cracked everybody's shield or I hit whatever that is, 35 um, shield off. Then I would yep. get out of my drone and then I would run over. But I would like early, early on, I would get like some amount of damage. Um, and I mean, you know, the good and bad of that, but like I made it. <laughs> I made yeah. it through diamond. I never made it through diamond until like that was like my little like cheat code there. Like, it, I mean, I still have to like stay alive and we still have to do well. Yeah. But the idea is I'm getting a little extra damage or a couple extra scans yeah. that mm. give me some KP. I was going to. I was going to say the scans are giving you assists. Correct. Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely very helpful. I would, I'm not going to employ that as my strategy because I'm awful as crypto. I've tried yeah. so many I, times. I was too. Yeah. I just, I learned. Yeah. I just learned how to. But that is so a anyway, solid, um, solid yeah, strat. That's it. My, uh, my favorite loadout is the 301 car. That's what I run. Assault rifle and the submachine gun. I love yeah. it. I'm running, but the SMG that R301 has right the fact now. that car has heavy and light ammo. I mean, nice. And you're carrying around yeah. the light ammo for the R301 anyway. Correct. Oh, but yeah, I ju- I had to. Add, I am a current. Usually, I play Gibraltar, but yeah. now uh, since season, I think it's t- whatever the current one is. I'm getting lost in them. I started playing Maggie and absolutely love Maggie. Interesting day. Day one dropped a two, um, hit 25k or 2500 damage on her. Amazing, got the badge immediately. Working on the 4k, yeah, 4k is tough, it's so hard. I know. It's so hard. And then one day, 20 years from now, I'll get a 20 bomb and it'll be yeah. it'll all be worth it. It'll it's never gonna worth. happen. I'll never get it. I know <laughs> I'm <laughs> totally okay with it. I'm I, I've come to the realization I, that I'm never gonna do it. It's all right. I'm thinking I'm just I'm gonna okay have to smurf that. it. I'm just gonna have to make a new account. I'm just not play gonna do it. Yeah, in just, a bot lobby. Yeah, but again, it, I mean, that's one of the things account. I love about Apex, though. Is like, I don't. Pl- I'm not playing in a hamster wheel. Like that's that's yep. what Warzone was to me. It was just like I was a hamster in a hamster wheel, and it killed me. Like Fortnite, a little bit of the same thing. It's just like the fact that there's this super dope rank mode that has its issues, but it's better than anything else out there. It keeps yeah. me like coming back for more. Or when I get off, I'm like man, like I accomplished something or damn it. Like I, I didn't accomplish something, but I know that I can go back tomorrow and play versus like just completely droning out for two hours playing Warzone, And then you're just like, I don't know. Like, did I, like, did I have fun? You haven't lost anything. You haven't gained anything. <laughs> did, I totally did, agree with you. My brain did I have yeah, fun? Like, yeah, I don't know. What is uh? what's your console of choice? All right. I, I see you got a nice looking PC there. Are you mostly on PC? You mess with console much? Yeah. I moved to, uh, I moved to PC uh, right at the... No, I moved to PC uh, in 2019. Uh, Spring? No, like... 
oh man i don't know yeah uh, maybe it was like the 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 start of 2019 i moved to pc i, I was on i was on xbox so I've, I've been playing apex since yeah i mean since it dropped basically yeah. since, it, since it dropped since day one yeah i love it and i was on, i was on xbox and then uh a buddy of mine uh, just grinded it all the time and then like just continue to want to play it and get better and better and better. And you start to hear all the people that are playing on PC and just like how smooth it is. And then your first reaction yeah. is like, yeah, 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 whatever. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, like one of us pulled, like my buddy pulled the trigger and he was like, dude, like you guys are like, yeah, 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 whatever. And then I like got super cheap on my first PC and like, I built a PC myself, which is like, if oh, anybody that's knows me or like, yeah. yeah, like if anybody knows me, it's like, you loved it. no, no, you didn't Darren. It's like, no, I actually did. <laughs> Because I'm not the handyman, but I like I got super cheap and got like it was like it was like twelve hundred bucks, thirteen hundred bucks. Um, yeah. It wasn't the best, but it was but like even playing that, way better I mean, than a oh my god, my experience was so much better. So I'm still playing controller on PC, but it's like yeah, like 140 frames. Like I mean, it's it's delicious. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was about to ask you since you went from console to PC, do you still play with a controller, or have yeah. you switched over the mouse and keyboard yet? Yeah, I'm still xbox elite controller yeah with the four i mean i was gonna say the back and i I used to not play with 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 paddles and in my mind like just yeah it was just funny like the other day i was playing and just randomly it hit me i was like man how did i used to play with just like taking no nothing yeah i'm like i don't even know if i could play like that but being able to have especially in a game like apex which has the movement which is slide jump yep being able to just press slide and jump and still not have aim. to take my hands and be still <laughs> aiming and turning. It's like it's as yep. close to mouse and key as you can get. Hmm. Yeah. Now, how do you feel that everyone listening to this podcast is not only going to say that you abused crypto to get to masters, but also aim assist on oh, control? God. Why you got insults? He's <laughs> a guest, Matt. Stop now it. I just see it on Twitter so much, and there everyone's like, "Oh, controller's so good on computer," and I'm like, "No, it's not." The only person that I would that I would ever take that as constructive criticism, which <laughs> is not, because 99.9 percent of your audience members that are going to say that have never done it. Exactly. So, yeah. 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 No. 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 I if you're, if you're somebody that grinded mouse and key, and then you're like shitting on controller and then you went over to controller and then did it and then gave your comparison and we're like which one was harder better easier like well <laughs> yeah. yeah like and i still don't care but yeah, it's like yeah, no, I get to the 99.9 of people that have never done that i would just tell you like okay well like i'll wait like whatever yeah. the comment is like i'll wait for you to do what <laughs> i did on controller yeah and then like i like that so i'll easy. wait yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you get to masters on controller we and if they do too great yeah good like, for you like i'm yeah, glad we're both what are we here? talking about yeah like yeah. why do you think they released the character i'm not like i'm not cheating it's like they're giving me a character and i'm using an ability oh, the, no the, yeah. the crypto thing i think is completely legitimate i love like i love a good crypto on my team yeah it's just, it's like playing a different game sometimes yeah no it is because it's just the the strats behind it and the what you can do as a team knowing yeah. enemy position knowing you have that emp and basically having someone in the back ready to jump in and help when you yeah. guys have to pull back behind a, a corner and they could go back in crypto completely legitimate 100%. but i've just seen so much on twitter about the mouse and keyboard and the controller thing yeah. and I was like, all right sounds good we'll you see can't. You <laughs> <laughs> i was like you see no. me in the all arena right. 
Sounds good. I love it. I love uh, it. Well, one thing I wanted to tack on here before I forget, we were, we were talking yeah, yeah. before about, you, you know, platforms and sort of ebbing and flowing trends within the industry. When it comes to esports, right, obviously you have the online component when it comes to tournament, but more and more, and I would say almost more so becoming the face, you're having these in-person events, right? In a world where like E3, for example, is no longer, that's canceled, not digital, not in-person, other than the sport camaraderie, what is the in-person hook of watching esports in, you know, with, with Booga, with Rocker, with any of the big esport orgs? Like, what is going to be that thing that keeps people coming back to say, no, I want to go watch this live, in yeah, your I mean, opinion? I think the live component of esports and gaming is the savior of it. Mm. I mean, if, you know, I think because it's such a new vertical in our society like it's it's the newest kid on the block so to speak in terms of all the other things that you can be watching um you know it's it's the savior of it i think it's the idea that it's happened to me so many times where it's like i love live music and Mm -hmm. live music can totally can fundamentally change my opinion about an artist or a song like you know, I mean, I'm, I, I love, you know, I mean, pop and hip hop and like that, that, those types of genres, like, I can't tell you how many times, like in college, like graduating, going out to the bar, going out to a club, whatever it is, and you hear a song, you're like, this shit slaps. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like I heard this, but I've never like, I, I've never let, so that to me is that, that behavior and like the yeah. mental side of just human beings that love live entertainment. And it can, it can change somebody's opinion about it versus, you know, same way I'm sitting here watching this, I'm watching gaming. I don't get the game, whatever it is, but you go into an environment that has, yep. you know, bass and treble and smoke and excitement and just the commentary, you know, it's like, audio to me I just had this conversation i was actually talking to brandon about it too but just in general like one you know we're not talking about web3 but i have to bring it up because i feel like i bring it up in every conversation oh we'll get there we'll get that <laughs> plenty of web three questions for you but, it, but it's the idea of audio yeah. audio to me is the most one of the most underrated things about our world is sound that everyone is so focused like nfts are visual every nft project that's a blue chip project is visual Visual, 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 visual. Audio is not a thing yet, but it's such, again, it's like watch a watch a scene of anything with no audio and it's like, it's vanilla. There's nothing yeah, there. Exactly. And then watch it with sad music, watch it with inspirational music. Music changes an entire thing's construct. Like it changes the DNA of things that you're looking at. So that to me is like it's just playing into into the human nature of live events that if you can create an, a live event experience you know you've got people and i'm picking other categories because it's true people that go to sports games and have no idea what's going on but yep. they're just they're there friends they're had tickets thursday night they like to your point they like that environment you yep. know i think football is a great example of that it happens once a week once every other week if you want to go to a home game and people are just there for the environment. It's baseball to me. I think baseball is so boring to watch on TV. Mm-hmm. But if you mm-hmm. want to go catch a baseball game with me, I'm the first one there. Like, 
because it's it's the live environment to me that then kind of reengages my understanding for baseball and like I still like yeah. baseball because I love the live environment. You'll never catch me ever watching one second of a baseball game that's not the World Series without being live in person. Like, but I think gaming as the world starts to come back around, it was like the gaming industry got hit with the worst time for a world pandemic because it never set the foundation for anything. Mm-hmm. So it's like as soon as this foundation was set, we all go curled up into a ball and we couldn't leave our rooms for two yep. years. So now that I think live is coming back, I think it's going to reinvigorate people's opinion about gaming and hopefully kickstart and start to like pick up the pace of the adoption of gaming and the stigma of gaming of, you know, as live events start to come back into your city, it's like, yeah, like, yep. I'll, I'll check that out. I got nothing to do on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Like, yeah, like, for sure. How much is a ticket? Mm-hmm. Like, would love yep. to like grab a beer, grab a drink go somewhere and just kind of like hang out. You're there for the environment, not necessarily the topic of what's happening in the environment. Gotcha. So you mentioned the like stigma of gaming and things like that. And we talked a lot about like sports in this conversation. I want to know in your opinion, what do you think it'll take or when do you think it'll happen that esports and gaming are going to be a water cooler conversation where I could go to work and I'm, talking at the water cooler i ask uh my friend less how's the or what game do they watch was it the nfl nba and we talk about that game because we're all talking about it yeah. when is gaming and esports going to get there it's it's so ironic that you're asking me that question because i just had dinner with my parents um last week mm-hmm. and the topic of conversation came up that is everything is the same you know, and, you know, when my parents were kids, I have, I have older parents in their 70s. Um, my, my dad is in his lower 80s. And when they were kids, I mean, even you go into the 70s and 80s, how many parents who grew up differently saw their kid running around throwing a, you know, leather ball around or shooting a ball in a hoop? Like, no, you're not doing that. You're working on the farm or you're mm-hmm. not doing that. You're getting a yep. job. Stop playing these games with your friends. That's not productive. It's not helping you in any way, shape, or form for your career. For your like, until it is sports. (laughs) Yep, sports. Yeah, were a had a negative stigma in the earlier half of the 20th century. Like that to me says everything that you need to know about esports. Esports has been around for six minutes. Like. So at some point in time, it's going to happen. It's just, it's going to happen faster than what other sports do just because of technology and communication and like exposure, but Mm -hmm. it's going to happen when no idea. I don't think it's even worth trying to predict, but it's, it's going to happen. There are too many people that play that do a certain thing for that thing to have anybody to think that it's going to die out or that it's not going to become a major, major that is not going to reach that next level. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's going to be bigger than basketball and football. Like yeah. esports and gaming, and that's why I'm like breaking out the two. And again, Web three, but like esports and gaming as a thing, where you're on an, a device and you're competing and you're competing in a digital landscape and all this other stuff. It's going to be bigger than traditional. I mean, the biggest competitor to NFL, MLB, NBA, et cetera, et cetera, soccer is gaming. Yeah, like that's. 
you can't deny yeah. that. And I think a very underrated part of what you're discussing is the accessibility of video games. Correct. But, and what you and that conversation that kids used to have in like the 70s and the 80s about sports not being irrelevant and a correct career path. I think there was also that level of like biology that needed to go into it where if and I'm sure there's obviously exceptions you uh, know probably more about basketball than I do, but I'm sh- there's people that are on the shorter end that can play. But if you are six eleven, you have a much better chance of being a professional basketball player than I do standing at five nine. Gaming kind of gets rid of that, and I, to be honest, uh, the, I, was, I, I don't. I, yeah, I, from, from an esports, not to interrupt you, but yeah, to go be, for it. To be really good at it, it's the same thing. Like that's one of the things that you know I respect so much about uh, the gaming industry and it being so close to, in my opinion, the the goat of esports um, yep. is that you there's dna involved a hundred percent there there are there's there's okay. something inside again i play apex legends and i got some masters mm-hmm. i'm not a, yep like so to me it's the accessibility of the thing that gets yes. that gets broadened out to more people where like you know i went i went to college to play basketball i haven't played basketball in six years obviously mm-hmm. i have a knee problem but even the people that i went to school with they play once every couple of weeks in the, in a men's league. Yep. So you start to lose your player base, but you lose the player base, but you you still have the the visibility of the entertainment side, which is the NBA, mm. college college basketball, yeah. whatever. Where I agree with the direction you're going, I just didn't agree with the idea that in order to be great at esports, there's DNA involved. You can't. What Booga can do, I don't believe you can teach. I don't think anything at the top of your craft, you can't teach anybody. The top 1% of anything to me has something to do with DNA. I think there's something that you have that's different than other people that it doesn't matter how good you, how much you would practice. I would never have been able to have been as good as Booga is at Fortnite or something. I think there's something there, but Hmm. I think you can play video games like, once you get to be 50, 60, you're not hitting men's leagues anymore. So you've literally not, you're not yeah. playing the game of basketball at all anymore. But it's the idea yep. that you can be one years old doing something that's a game until you're 100 years old doing something on a game. And there's nothing that's getting in your way of the action of gaming. And whatever your definition of success is, is your definition of success. That's what yep. gets me excited about the gaming industry and the growth of it is you could play video games, you know, Doc could have a white mullet, you know, like that to me is the coolest yeah. thing ever. I would love to see old man Doc. I can't wait yes. until we, until we get there. Um, I'm sorry for, I, I know you had other, other, I, I interrupted you, so I didn't know where you're going with that statement, but I had to interrupt yeah. on that, on that one different. Yeah, no at, worries. At and one point. Yeah, and it wasn't saying that anyone could be a famous video game player. The the people that get to that level and the people that are in esports are just completely built different. Correct. The same way that a NBA athlete, an NFL athlete is built different than just somebody that there's a reason why a 6'11 every 6'11 person is not a professional basketball player. Yeah. But there is that level of like in basketball it certainly helps but i i completely agree there is something but, about but, and that's the people also that, the coolest thing ever like let's yeah. take Ape, like let's take apex legends yep 
I've been killed by Daltouche. That but, is but, such but, an but underrated thing. Yeah. It's the idea that I'm competing on the same court as LeBron James. Not saying yep. Daltouche is LeBron James, but like, yeah, yeah. let's take Hal, Imperial Hal, yeah. would probably be like, hands down, unanimous, the best Apex Legends player. I would pay money for him to kill me. I've in been a in a fight with Imperial Hal. <laughs> yeah. That to me, yeah. again, like, I'm like, it is what it is. And like, I got ran through like crazy. I like blinked my eyes and I was at, at the lobby screen again. But yep. it's the idea that <laughs> I was younger me. That's the like, oh my God, like I got a chance to shoot around with whatever. Like, yeah. oh my gosh, like I threw the ball back and forth on a baseball field with this. Or like, I threw the football back and forth with Tom. Like, yeah, there's no other hobby every hobby has a competitive angle to it. So it's like, everything is kind of a hobby until you make it something like Mm -hmm. there's no other hobby that I can do that. I can literally be toe to toe with the best, the bests of them. Like there's nothing like that. That to me is the coolest thing about gaming is that you and at any moment. And that's why like, you know, whether it's CDL, whether it's whatever, like, I don't know how much I like the closed off leagues because it kind of goes against what I think is the coolest thing about gaming is that word, which is accessibility, the accessibility to play it, the accessibility to connect with other people, the accessibility to compete against the people that you know, love and watch all the time. That compounded year over year, over year, over year, over game, over game, over game. There's nothing like it because like we remember when we were kids and we high-fived our favorite basketball player and it's like, high five i'm playing against him like yeah it's crazy it's ridiculous and correct me if i'm wrong but apex let like apex in their uh like pro uh pro circuit is like that where you can qualify as any team and then you just have to go to enough tournaments and participate in enough tournaments to build enough points to then get into the finals where you're playing against yeah i I think i i think that my personal opinion and i have no This is just Darren Glover's personal opinion. I think that's how esports has to be. It causes a lot of different clutter, but I think that's what differentiates it from everything else. You know, it's not closed off. There's some level, even if it's a hope and a dream, there's a hope and a dream. And yeah. it's, you know, I use the the NBA example because it's like every every athlete every basketball player at some point in their career realizes they're not going to make it to the NBA. That fu- mm. It sucks. It hurts. It hurts. When I realized that there was a, not a, not a hope and a dream, a 0% chance that I will ever make it to the NBA as a kid, when you're growing up, like that's your, that's why you're driving. Yeah. That to me in gaming is there shouldn't be that. Like I, there's a buddy that I play with. That's like, you know, 31, 30 years old. Like, I mean, look at Nick Merckx, like has gone through all this other stuff. He picks up this game and he's now competing at ALGS. And like do, that ability to do that to me is a, to the point it's accessibility of winning or greatness mm-hmm. or the comp scene. Like why close it off? Like, look at what's happening with the CDL and the overwatch. And like, I just, I don't, I don't like that model due to the nature and behavior of what gaming is to close the competitive scene off, knowing that every other day there's a cracked kid that's out there that people just don't know about. Just give it a fair playground where it's like, great, you got your six orgs that are spending money on their players, but leave the door open for 
Tim, Johnny, and Sarah that are just grinding their ass off for the last nine to 12 months. And they win the thing and they're able to play against TSM. Like, that's the coolest thing about gaming to be. Why would you get rid of that? I don't see the value of that in the gaming space. That value is for a PL, a business, a brand, gotcha. a league, an org. That's yep. capitalism at its finest, which I agree with. But I think it's an it's a it's the negative side of that's business taking over and it ruins the experience and the growth, in my opinion, of esports when you close that off. That's such an I've 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 truly never come across anybody who has had that take on it. I think it's a refreshing take. I think it's yep. uh definitely valid I, I i would agree with most if not all of what you said i think you know leaving the door open behind you it, it creates a lot more opportunities for like the underdog rocky scenario for the you know booga to win the Fortnite world cup kind of thing yeah. right like to have those big moments i love that why do you think soccer has had so- i mean like the and again i don't i don't understand the whole full context of the soccer thing but like when you're the last team in the thing and you go down to the next level and the best team mm-hmm. in the second level goes up to the top level like that works that keeps people driven and motivated to continue to grind and like yeah. again lebron is lebron but like he's going viral right now on twitter cuz he tweeted in uh he he tweeted a uh, like an April Fool's joke today, and oh, then no. like somebody somebody like going res- back to Cleveland. <laughs> no, 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 he tweeted a thing where he's like done for the season or something. But it's like uh, a, a team can do so poorly. Who cares? Like yeah. that 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 construct to me is the negative side of league structures with slots in the league, which is at the end of the day, who cares if you lose? Like, let's talk about it. Who cares if you're the worst team? Who cares if you lose every game this season? Who cares? You're not losing your team spot the next year. You have no incentive to win other than like you want to win and it drives business sales. But it's the idea of like your team can be the worst team in the league every single year and the valuation of your team goes up in price. That to me isn't, that makes no sense to me. You know, I think it's a very interesting take. I like that. And you're rewarded with the top draft picks. You're rewarded for being the worst. That to me is yeah. laugh. Like that model to me makes no sense. Of, of all of that mixed into a blender doesn't make sense to me. And like Minnesota Timberwolves are like, <laughs> it's a close example. We're like, we've been rebuilding since like before the iPhone. <laughs> but we're still, we're still in the NBA. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, and you know, there was a year like, you know, when I was a kid, I remember my dad was like splitting season tickets with like two other families. And the last, like, 20 games, Kevin Garnett, like, isn't starting, isn't playing because they're trying to get a better draft pick. Yep. And they're not risking him getting hurt. So, again, so you get all these... It's crazy, yeah. You you create this bubble that isn't the best for the community of basketball fans. Yeah. But it's best for the corporate hierarchy of business. And that, to me from the gaming space that's one of the things that i find weary and i'm uncertain about the esports industry being driven by a lot of ex sports league executives because they're taking what they did and trying to implement it here and 
Uh, that's you, my opinion. Not I don't want what you did. I want to create a new infrastructure because what gaming and esports is is new. You're trying yeah. to box us into what has happened and what is. We need to create a new model because what gaming and esports is on all realms is completely different than what the NBA and the NFL is. Totally yeah, agree. And and I'm sorry, Matt Dakota, before I forget, because no, we've been tiptoeing around it and I don't, and I don't want to forget to ask this. You've mentioned Web3 a couple times. You mentioned, <laughs> uh, you know, build, building community around um, obviously, obviously your player base and being able to experience things in a hobby you like with people who are doing it at a very high level. You know, what are your sort of visions for NFT implementation within the space? How do you see it being done well right now? What is something you wish could be done better with it? Would love to get your take on that. Yep. The idea that in-game assets are all rented items is laughable. The idea that the gaming industry that is so digitally savvy does not believe in the idea of NFTs seems like a culty trend that's cool to do. NFTs and Web3 will disrupt the gaming space. It's going to happen. There's no debate. It's not a question. It's not an if. It's just a when. NFTs as a form of community development and like team, league, org, ownership, ticketing, access, Everything around the game mm -hmm. is, again, going to happen. It's not an if. It's a when. Web3 is going to take over our society in a mm. good way. It makes things more efficient. It gives you ownership over things that you're technically renting. You know, I buy a ticket to a game. I'm renting that game. I'm renting that ticket. I don't own the seat. I'm renting it for the year. I'm renting it for a certain amount of time. Um, you know, people don't own, you know, Booga had a skin in Fortnite. Nobody owns mm -hmm. that skin. You own it in Fortnite, but you don't own it because you can't sell it. So it's not actual ownership. You're just, you're renting, you're renting it for when you want to use it, you're able to use it, but you don't actually own that skin. So there's so much value add that Web3 brings to gaming. I think it's just it hasn't been communicated the right way. And it's very easy in all technology, anything that's new, that you just headline read. And you make an opinion based on some headline. And then that's how you form your opinion. What Doc has created with Midnight Society is the first like form of an NFT that I think makes sense to people, which is yep, yep. you can I play agree. a game without a word of web three, but he's using the NFT vocabulary as a form of access to thoughts and ideas to give your opinion and get early access to the game and like the development of the game and everything that comes with it. You can be a part of it as an NFT holder, I think is a really unique approach to it that game studios aren't thinking about they're figuring out how they can turn a skin into an nft where midnight society is just building a really fun game and they're building the nft structure around the game that yep. that creates almost like an ambassadorship to the game that mm -hmm. i think is the coolest thing around i i totally i'm i'm right there with you on on everything you said there i mean what really hit home to me i thought it was a really salient point was like 
gamers, if anything, should be the most vocal advocates for NFTs because we've been doing it for the longest, right? Like the, the way I was like, oh, what's an NFT? I was like, have you played Pokemon? Yes. You understand the concept <laughs> of putting value on digital things. Like right there, it's, it's already a process. It's a thing that is relevant in people's minds. And even like, you know, you can't sell it. People were selling the Diablo accounts. People have been selling Fortnite accounts with all the skins. Like people have oh, yeah. been finding people sell Apex accounts. People sell yeah. Apex accounts with all the stuff, right? So like, I do find that a bit odd where you're right. It's it's the trendy thing, so let's hate on it. But no, no, no. Like, especially like what, what Vayner's doing with like the Fly Fish Club, like you were saying, like you're playing with your like if I hold I'm a, I'm a PlayStation guy, right? I'm a big, I'm a big PlayStation guy. I love chasing platinum trophies. And I tell Matt all the time, I'm like, bro, if there were only three platinum trophies for every game, and the first three people to pop them could own that trophy, like my my trophy addiction would would tenfold increase because I would know that there's only two other people and, and also, out there who have it. Again, it's 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 the model of of V friends that I think is the quintessential gold standard example of how to build an NFT project. But yep. you you think of even like what they're doing now with with version two, like they're dropping another set of mm-hmm. NFTs, but like v1 holders get a v2 for free so it's like it's this idea of like building like a core i think of like what are those uh i don't want to say onion but like what what, what was that candy that had like different oh jawbreakers jawbreakers yeah, jawbreakers. yeah it's yeah. It, it's like a jawbreaker where it's this idea of like if you hold of you know if you hold that like i don't know what what was that in-game item that you just said if there was only three the platinum trophy the platinum, the platinum trophies. trophy if you hold a platinum trophy in and of itself has value, but then it's also as the ecosystem that this platinum trophy is involved with, if you can get extra things outside of just the platinum trophy, like if you can get early, because you hold a platinum trophy, you get access to this thing that then that thing in and of itself that you get access to has value to it as well. You're compounding how valuable the mm-hmm. trophy is. That's like the V friends thing, which is you hold a V one V friend. That's your admissions ticket. That's how it was sold. Now every ticket to VCon is an NFT. So I yep. can now, there is a VCon ticket that to me costs nothing extra but has a $5,500 secondary market value that I got for free, so to speak, with my holding and ownership of a V1. To me, that ecosystem is unfathomably massive when you think of gaming and all this other stuff, is you holding that platinum trophy, and then what what gets added on and built into your ownership of that? And then you think of what a DAO is and you get into voting rights of what direction things go. You, know, you yep. think of all those story-focused games. Imagine if the story never ends and it just keeps going. Like It's so big, it like hurts my brain to think about it. Yep. But the fact that the majority of the gaming industry is not in favor of NFTs. It's like, shut up. Yes, you guys are. Your behavior <laughs> it's, it's, is it's the cool Web3. thing to exactly. It's the cool thing to hate on right now. And I think especially with how pro community and pro player and pro 
Worker, a lot of these big time, even legacy media games publications are with some of the stuff that they print. I'm almost shocked that they're not more, hey, this is something decentralized. This is your thing. You are a part of a larger initiative towards something that you like. So I agree with you there. Um, I guess my, my, my only other thing that I would love to tack on to the NFT portion of the conversation as you kind of round down here is, do you think the switch for NFTs, like I, I tell Matt all the time, like I am baffled that within the zeitgeist that's happening right now, that tomorrow Pokemon could turn on a switch and say, hey, there you can now there's now a secondary market for your pokemon the same way there is for cards if you have a shiny charizard in game we've now created a, a place where you can transact on that digital item same thing with minecraft roblox fortnite what do you think the hesitancy for these big name games to get into nft is up till now and do you think it's going to be a company like doc like axis infinity that becomes that you know, I always call it like the Angry Birds uh, phenomena, where it's like this thing that I'm playing because I like games, but my mom's also playing and uh, my, my my teacher's also playing. Like, when is it going to be like a ubiquitous thing? And w- is it going to be the big movers and shakers or an indie thing that makes that happen, you think? Um, I, to be honest with you, I don't know. I think a lot has to do with the legal side of it. Hmm. I think there's a major, um, it's a major constraint of moving into it so fast without the understanding of like how to do it, you know, and stories like what happened to Sky Mavis and the Rona network that gets $650 million hacked into. You can't do that as a publicly traded company. Like that, that that cannot happen to a publicly traded company. So I think a lot of those like the the crypto maxis don't realize like <laughs> the like there's a physical world and there are like rules and regulations to like the stuff that we do. And it's not we're not just out to get you. Like they're there for a reason because for every good person, there's a lot of other bad people that are trying to take advantage of an ecosystem that goes beyond just little John and Jimmy playing the Fortnite game. Like, well, that's great. But as soon as you add this extra component to it, if I want to funnel millions of dollars through your game, that headline destroys mm-hmm. that. Like, so I think it's like, it's more or less thinking of it in such a big picture component because all these companies are quote unquote whales, but because they're whales, they move slow. Hmm. Mavis Hub and Axie Affinity just got um, over a half a billion dollars. Something happened to it. It's not trending on Twitter anymore. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Very very salient point. I, I already kind of forgot about it. You know, so I think I think from a it's you know, it's like what's more valuable, a macro influencer or a micro influencer? Well, you need both. You can't just build off of micro and scale out a business. Only no company has only worked with micro and then they blow up and they're still only working with micro influencers. Like yep. it's it's the sandwich of both. And I think the the big conglomerate whales are waiting for 
all the startups to lose their 650 million Hmm. and understand the issues, the pros, the cons, the ideas, like that's how I think it's going to happen, which is all the smaller indie shops and startup projects are going to make the most mistakes. And the big whales are just going to be taking notes and watching and then slowly implementing, you know, it's kind of like LinkedIn, LinkedIn, like was the last of the networks to like build stuff. And I feel like they were just watching Snap and Facebook and Twitter and Pinterest and Instagram. Like they were watching and learning and then implementing. And I think, so at the macro question of like, it's going to happen at some point and we're just getting sandwiched in by the little guys and the big guys are talking about it, but they're not making any movement, but it's going to just become like a sandwich. You need both. The big guys are never going to be the most innovative. The small guys are never going to make the most impact, but you need both of them in order to cohesively in order make to it actually happen. cohesively yeah, make yeah. that. Totally. Yeah, we got you. Totally. All right. As we bring it in for landing here, we ask all our guests as we round down the show, Darren, your top five favorite games, your desert island games. We got to know. Obviously, Apex. What else you got on the list? Um, Oregon Trail. Ooh, Interesting. good Good pull. Okay. okay. Oregon Wasn't Trail. Wasn't expecting it. Um, Tycoon Roller Coaster. Okay. Also interesting. Um, Call of Duty. Like Which one? I, um, I'm going to say, uh, because it was my first one that I really got after, was World at War. Um, that okay, was like classic. That was, that, yeah, it was like that was my first Call of Duty game that I really like. Something hit me different with that game. Um, and then Goldeneye. Oh, immaculate oh, so pick! Good. Immaculate pick! I love it. And then it. the fifth yeah. is Apex. Just to well, Apex is number one. Apex, uh, yeah, yeah, Trail. Okay. Oh, perfect. Roller Coaster Tycoon. Uh, World at War. Yep. And Goldeneye. Cool. All right. Well, as we bring this into a landing, like Bobby said, uh, if you like what you heard and want to hear more, consider subscribing to us, Play Economics, where you get your one podcast episode and then your Play Economics Plus episode, where we talk to people like Darren and we have deeper dive conversations about the world of video games. Thank you for listening. And as always, and obviously, Darren, hold on, not to interrupt, oh. where can the people find you? I, I, yes. I didn't realize Mal was going to bring it, bring it in that quickly. Where can the people find you? Tell them if you they want to find you. Yeah. I am This Is D Glove on every social media platform. Nice. And then my Steam account, if you play Apex and you see me in your kill feed, is this is, everything is This Is D Glove everywhere. Gotcha. I love it. Look, cool. thank you so much for your time today. You're welcome yeah, back it. anytime. This anytime. was an awesome conversation. We really appreciate it. Thank you guys so much.